0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Job chapter 1. What we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally we preach through a book of the Bible or a, a significant portion of Scripture. What I want to do in November, with the exception of I think around Thanksgiving and then December, is different character studies. And so I think this will be a, a helpful way of learning some very important truths, but from a little bit different vantage point. So this morning we're looking at Job and while you're finding your place, let me remind you that in our bulletin, we're doing something a little bit different right now. We have a church of the week. In fact, Jason prayed for the church a little bit earlier. We also have next Sunday sermon text. So, What I want to encourage you to do is sometime this week, go ahead and read Genesis 37 in preparation for the sermon next Sunday, and you'll go ahead, and if you do that, we'll already be on the same page when you come in. We have weekly scripture memory and then also um, daily scripture reading. It's a five-day-a-week plan. That way, if you... Have a crazy day, you forget, you miss it, you have a couple days to make up. That that, that never happens to you, all right? Um, But I think it'll help us be more faithful in our reading. And so let me encourage you to take your bulletin, pin it up on the refrigerator, make use of it throughout the week. How many of you have ever had a bad day? You just laugh. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I need to talk to you afterwards to see what the trick is. I remember in specific one very bad day that I had one time. Dane and I were. It was the day that Dane and I were moving from Northeast Ohio to Tennessee, and so we had rented the U-Haul. Had a friend from Indiana come over, and he was helping us move. And it was in February. It was cold. It was gloomy. It was snowing. It was just one of those days in Northeast Ohio that was just not what you would hope to have on the day you were moving. And so I'm the type of person whenever I pack a moving truck, it's a puzzle. I mean, I want everything fitting right, no holes. It's got to be exactly right. And So we're packing it, and it's looking good. We get to the end. The truck is completely full, but there's still stuff in the house. Um, it's like, what do we do? We, we can go get a bigger truck, but then we have to unload everything in this truck and put it in the bigger one. That's not a good option. We had one car. Dana, at this point, was seven months pregnant, and so we were planning on towing the car so she wouldn't have to drive that short 700-mile trip. And so we said, well, we can't do that, so we went and we turned the car dolly in and we got a trailer that we hooked up to the back of the U-Haul and we loaded it and thankfully we got everything into that trailer and so we loaded it up, we closed it all, get ready to go. Dana's driving, she's following behind the U-Haul, we get on the interstate, it's about four o'clock in the afternoon, so it's already starting to get dark, it's below freezing, It's it's in the 20s, it's snowing and we're driving down, everything's going great and I'm like, whew, got the worst behind us. All of a sudden, out of my rearview mirror, I see the trailer that's attached to the truck going side to side across the three-lane interstate. Dana's calling me saying, something's not right, and I'm like, I know, I can see it. Thanks for stating the obvious. And so what had happened is the trailer had come unhitched, and the only thing holding it on was the emergency chains. So the emergency change when they get pulled, they initiate a break on the trailer. And so there's smoke going everywhere. The trailer's going side to side. It's just me and Dana. She's seven months pregnant. We managed to pull off the side of the interstate. We're on the right-hand side, pull up far enough where the trailer's off the side. Dana pulls off behind me. We're like, now what? (laughs) Um, I had no idea what to do. I I called a friend, and he said, well, you need to call U-Haul. And so I called U-Haul, and they said, well, is the truck running? Yes. Is the trailer operational? Yes. It's not our problem. That's a, that's a quote. It's not our problem. I said, okay. Well, I had AAA, so I called AAA. AAA said, well, do you have a flat tire? No. Is there engine problems? No. Just the trailer came. That's not our problem. We, we can't help with that. So I'm on the side of the interstate. It's dark. It's snowing. It's, I'm stressed out at this point. Dana's just sitting in the car looking at me like I can't do anything to help, and so we're just trying to figure out what to do, and so what I finally do is I get the spare tire out of our Honda Civic and put it underneath the trailer and get the jack, car jack, and I jack it up, but then what I have to do is, I need to back up. Here's what I tried to do first. I'm like, I'm going to lift up this trailer. (laughs) Why are you all laughing? I get over, I'm getting ready, and I pick, and what do you think happens? Not a thing. So I finally get the spare tire. I get it jacked up. But now what I have to do, on the side of the interstate, I have to back the truck exactly under it so I can lower the trailer back on. So by the time I do that, my left tires of the U-Haul truck are in the right-hand lane of the interstate. My knuckles are bleeding. It's freezing. Finally get it hooked back up, and I'm in that moment where I don't know whether to cry or say something that a Baptist pastor is not supposed to say. I'm in that right in between. I don't know what to do. We finally get it. We get back on the road and had no more problems whatsoever the rest of the trip. But that is a day that I will never forget. Do you have a day like that? A lot of them. You know, though, whenever we think about this, I I look back at that now and I laugh about it, and it's one of those things. It was a bad day then, but you know, there are bad days that we don't look back on and laugh. There are those bad days that we look back on, and our heart still breaks, there's still sorrow, it still hurts. But I have a feeling that if we were honest, none of our bad days compares to the bad day that Job had. And what I want to do this morning is help us understand when we go through these times in life, not just, hey, you had a bad day with a U-Haul truck, but when you have one of those days where the bottom drops out, how should we as believers in Christ respond? Before we get into the outline, I want to walk through this portion of Job's life and just help us understand a little bit what Job went through. Starting out, we need to understand that Job is a man. Job is not an angel. Job is not Superman. He's not someone with supernatural ability. He is just a man. The Bible tells us that he was blameless. He was not perfect, but he had integrity. He didn't compromise his beliefs. Job was a man that kept his word. He was fair. He was a man of character. He walked with God. He was also a blessed man. If you read through the first portion of Job, you see that he had seven sons and three daughters. He had many possessions, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 500 donkeys. Donkey milk was a delicacy in those times just in case you were wondering. So these possessions, though, were how they measured wealth. So he had all these children. He had all these possessions. This, this was the life that Job was living. He had it made. He had everything that he could possibly want. Everything was going perfect. But then there's a knock at the door. And once Job opens this door, his life will change forever. It will never be the same. It'd be like your cell phone ringing in the middle of the night or someone in uniform walking up to your door, the doctor walking into the waiting room with that solemn look on his face. Once that conversation happens, life changes. Once the door opens, nothing will ever be the same. Job opens the door and I picture a messenger running in, and he 's winded, and he 's crying, and he said, The Sabians attacked us, and the oxen and the donkeys were feeding, and the sabians took them, and they killed all the servants and i 'm the only one that survived it 's all gone and while he 's speaking, another messenger runs in, almost knocks him out of the way, and says there was a bolt of lightning from heaven, and it was like fire, and in an instant it consumed all seven thousand sheep, and all the field hands were watching with them are all gone and i 'm the only one that escaped and Another messenger still rushes in, pushes those two aside, grabs Job's sleeve and says, Master, the Chaldeans raided us and they they took all the camels, all 3,000 of them. And before they left, they murdered all of your servants and I am the only survivor. And I can picture Job almost staggering over to to find something to lean on because all of this news has just unexpectedly been thrown at at him. He's he's lost everything instantly. His, 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 His resources are gone. His wealth is gone. His method of making a living is gone. I can picture Job in his mind thinking, well, at least I have my kids and my family. At least I've got my kids. I've lost all these other things, but at least I've got my kids. But interrupting that thought, another workman dashes in and he's fighting back the tears. Master, your sons and daughters, they're gone. There was a, a tornado that swept across the wilderness. We could hear its roar, it destroyed everything in its path, and it passed over the house where your sons and daughters were eating. And the house exploded from the forest, and all of your children were killed. They're gone. Now stop, think, imagine, place yourself there. And remember that Job is a good man. In fact, he's a godly man. But then the bottom completely drops out. This, this tragedy took place to the one person, if we were looking in Scripture, that we would say, he does not deserve it. He's left to do nothing but go around and pick up the pieces. I bet the night before when he was laying in bed, he was thinking through, as we often all do, putting our to-do list together and thinking about the next time he would get with his kids and spend time with his family. He never imagined the next day would bring all that it did. In the span of a few hours, all of his possessions and all of his children were gone. How would you respond I mean, if that was you and that was your scenario and that was your situation, not just a bad day and not just a tragedy, but everything that you worked for and everything that you loved, gone in an instant. Job chapter 1 verse 20 says that Job got to his feet, ripped off his robe, shaved his head, which was a sign of mourning, and he fell on the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. I mean, it would have been easy for Job to worship a few hours earlier or a few days earlier when everything was going great. But in this moment, when everything has taken place, when he has lost everything, this is the moment where it says he worshipped. How? I mean, how is it possible to lose everything, to experience this horrible tragedy and respond in a way that, yes, is, is mournful, but then merges with the mourning, an aspect of worship? See, the tendency that we all face is to only worship when things are going good, when the family is well, when things at home are peaceful, when there's money in the bank, when the job is secure, the income is steady, when the cars are all running well, when the marriage is going great. It's easy to worship in those moments. But what about when there's sickness? What about when there are marriage problems? What about when there is no income? Are you going to worship when your life is a nightmare? Are you going to worship when the bottom drops out and you're left to do nothing but pick up the pieces from a disappointed, shattered life? See, anyone can sing praises to God when everything is going good, but can you worship and sing praises to God when life is falling apart? You worship in health, but will you worship in sickness? You worship in wealth, but will you worship in poverty? You worship in happiness, but will you worship in sorrow? You worship in life, let me ask you if you will worship in death. Just when you think the story couldn't get any worse, it takes another downward turn. I imagine that Job begins to feel a little pain under his arm and a little swelling maybe in his neck. He notices a couple sores in his mouth, and there's a few red spots on his forehead. His feet are beginning to swell. In just a few short hours, the fever is raging. He has no appetite, and his wife notices a rash on his back. And in a matter of no time, there are swollen boils all over his body. We learn from the story that Job suffered from delirium and sleeplessness as well as rejection of friends. In reality, Job was ground zero in human form. In fact, it got so bad, in Job chapter 3, verse 3, he looks back and he says this, May the day I was born perish. A few verses later, in verse 11, he says, Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? He's looking back and saying, I wish I had never been born. I wish the day that I was born never existed. Things are so bad, and his life is so tragic, and his pain is so severe that he looks back and says, I wish I would have never even entered this earth. And in all of this, God is silent. There is no word from God, no encouragement, no explanation, no reasoning, nothing from God. God is silent. From the beginning of the book of Job all the way to Job chapter 38, God says nothing nothing. Job hears nothing from God. He cries out to God and he asks God for an explanation. He asks God for deliverance. And all of his crying out to God, even though this righteous man responded with worship, God's silent. See, the reality is we are all at some point going to get that phone call. We're going to get that bad news. So the question is, how will you respond in the time of tragedy, in the time of discouragement. Those times when you're desperately crying out to God and you're desperately wanting to hear from God. And as you cry out to God and you're striving to respond to to the tragedy correctly and you're crying out to Him, yet God is silent. How will you respond when God is silent in the midst of your tragedy? Because there are times when the valley is deep And there are those times when the storm is raging, and there are those times when the darkness is so dark. How will you respond when God is silent? There's several things I want us to learn from the book of Job, and we're going to flip around to a number of places. You have your outline on the back of your bulletin. There's... There's some lessons that we can learn because if the reality is that tragedy strikes and the reality is that we are not exempt, exempt from pain and suffering in this world, then we have to determine now how we will respond when those times come. Because when you're in the midst of the battle and you're in the middle of the darkness and you're in the depth of the valley, it is not, that is not the time to make a decision how you respond. You need to make that decision today. So what is it that we can learn from Job? Several things I want us to point out here in just a minute. And we'll get to the outline. But I want you to understand the backdrop. In chapter 1 verse 10 and 11 you see this conversation going on between Satan and God and basically what's happening is Satan is looking at God and saying show me a righteous person and God says look at Job and Satan says well the only reason he is righteous and holy and blameless is because you have blessed him if you take your hand of blessing and in fact if you look at the verse haven't you placed a hedge around him his household and everything he owns you have Bless the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Verse 11, but stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. So there's this backdrop taking place, this conversation between Satan and God. And Satan says, If you take your hand of blessing off Job, I guarantee you, Job will look you in your face and he will curse you. And so everything that is happening is happening in that context. So Job loses his possessions, his children, his health. His wife comes to him and asks, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God, she says. And in chapter 2, verse 10, you see the response of Job. He says, you speak as a foolish woman speak. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? And throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. That verse shows us the first point this morning. We have to accept adversity. When those moments come in our life where the bottom drops out, the first thing we have to do is accept adversity as a part of life. Job says, should we accept only the good for God? Basically what he's saying is, we should not be a people that looks to God and accepts his blessings and worships him when he blesses us and praises him when he blesses us, then turn our back on God the moment that the blessing is gone. See, if that is our response, in essence, what we are doing is we are worshiping God and praising God for what he does, not for who he is. And the essence of worship is directed at the nature and character of God, not just the overflowing blessings of God. Because there's going to be times in your life you don't feel like God's blessing you, right? There's going to be times in your life where you wonder, God, where are you? Are you real? Are you listening? Are you answering? Are you at work? Accept adversity. adversity. I can see Job saying, isn't he the potter and I the clay? Isn't he the shepherd and I the sheep? Isn't he the master and I the servant? Isn't he the creator and me the creation? God is God. Accept adversity. Number two, don't expect to understand. There are these things that come into our life, these circumstances that come into our life that cause us to think If we don't understand what's going on, then I guess God's not in control. We we think if we don't understand that God doesn't understand. Let me give you three sub points that help us understand how we can get to this place where we don't expect to understand. If you're like me, you like to understand what's going on. I like to plan, and then I like to work out that plan. But sometimes things come into that plan that are completely unexpected, and if I don't know what's going on, it throws me for a loop. Am I the only one like that? Anybody else like that? All right, a couple of you. Good. Here are some things that will help with that. Understand this. Number number one, or A, God knows. God knows. We're going to see this again in a minute, but understand this. Just because you don't know what is happening doesn't mean that God is unaware. God is never caught off guard by your tragedy. God is never caught off guard by the uncomfortableness of your life of what may be happening in your life. You may be looking at this situation and say, where did this come from? I had no idea. How is this happening? Why is this happening? And God all along along knows. I mean, we kind of saw that. This conversation between Satan and Job is taking place. Job doesn't understand why any of this is happening, but in the backdrop we see God is aware. God knows. God is not caught off guard. God is still at work. So, when those tragedies come into your life, never be tempted to think that God is unaware of what you are facing. God always knows. B, understand that God leads. God leads, God, God is at work. I mean, if you're only looking at the pain and you're only looking at what you are experiencing and you're only looking at what you are facing, you, you fail to understand that God is leading and God is guiding and God is at work and there, there are things happening that maybe you don't understand but you can trust who God is, and then see, God controls Job 37, verse 5 says this God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. Catch that last phrase. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. What does that mean? We're not always going to understand what God is doing you will not always understand why you're facing what you're facing. You're not going to understand why the sickness comes and why the surgery comes and why the disaster comes and why the career is gone. You're you're not always going to have an answer for everything, but understand, God is not caught off guard by what you are facing. Never. Never. So accept adversity. Adversity. Don't expect to understand. Number three, cling to hope. Cling to hope. I want you to turn a few pages over with me to Job 23. Job chapter 23, verse 10. I want you to see this verse, and you've probably heard parts of this verse quoted at times. But this is still in the moment, still in the time where God is silent. Job is still not hearing anything from God. But this is his, his response. And this verse naturally breaks down into a few phrases. Let me go ahead and read it to you. Job 23, verse 10 says, "...yet he knows the way I have taken. When he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold." Again, let me give you three things from this verse. You may notice three natural divisions, phrases in this verse. Let's break this down. Here's the first thing. Realize that God knows the situation. We already mentioned this, but you see in the beginning of verse 10. Yet he knows the way I have taken. You know what Job is saying? All this tragedy that I'm facing, the loss of all my possessions, the loss of my children, the loss of my health, God knows the way I have taken. And no matter what tragedy you face, no matter what anguish comes into your life, and no matter how much your heart breaks, God is aware, God knows. The second phrase shows us that we will face tests or realize that you will face tests. Verse 10, yet he knows the way I have taken, but when he has tested me. Sometimes things happen in your life as a way for God to test you and to grow you and to mature you. Understand that sometimes you will face tests. And then see, realize that this is for my good. Last phrase of the verse says, I will emerge as pure gold. I will emerge as pure gold. Basically what Job is saying is, I don't understand what's going on and I know that God is silent. I'm crying out. God is not answering me. But in the midst of God not answering me, I understand that God knows what is happening. I understand that I'm going to face tests. And I understand that God can use this for my good. This doesn't mean Job understands how God can use this for my good, it simply understands that he understands God can. And you're going to go through things in life where you have no clue how God could possibly use this tragedy and this pain and this heartache for your good. But you must have the confidence that God can. He can. He can take that sorrow and he can take that pain along with everything else happening in your life. And he can use those things for your good, for your benefit. So cling to hope. The pain you're in right now is not the end. The heartache you're experiencing right now is not all that there is. Cling to hope. And let me give you the final thing. Number four, never doubt God's goodness. Don't doubt God's goodness. I want you to go back to chapter 1 now, Job chapter 1. want to read verse 20 through verse 22. I want you to see how Job responds. Jason read it earlier, but let's look at it again. Job chapter 1, verse 20. Here's what it says. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And again, the tearing of the robe and the shaving of the head were acts of mourning. But then he fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh, the Lord. Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Isn't that amazing? It's almost unbelievable. I mean, it's almost you read that and you say, well, I'm glad Job did it. I couldn't, right? I mean, we look at that and say, how could Job respond this way to where he looks? I mean, this is right on the heels of losing everything. In fact, it's worded as such that, that Job stands off, tears his robe, shaves his head while the messengers are still there. He is still in shock. He has just received all of this horrible news that everything is gone. And in that moment, he stands up and he says, I know that God is good. See, the goodness of God is not tied to what He allows to enter your life. The goodness of God is tied to the nature and character of who God is. And so in those times in your life when it seems that God is completely silent, when it seems that He doesn't care, in those times when it is so easy to doubt God's goodness, so easy to question God's character, so easy to give up, remember, Job. don't doubt God's goodness. Never Question God's grace. No, I read this and I think that many of you have experienced trials and heartache and pain that's similar to some of what Job experienced. You've had the loss come into your life. And there's some of you have had the sickness and the disease come into your life. And you've had those moments where all you're doing, it seems like every single day, is picking up the pieces from a life that has completely fallen apart. You started life with these dreams and ambitions. It's not happening. It's all falling apart. You're picking up the pieces and you're wondering, how as a believer am I supposed to respond in the midst of this? And what I find interesting about this passage is that as he stands up, he tears his robe, he shaves his head, he falls to the ground, and he worships. Never forget this. The worship that we give to God and the worship of God should never be tied to what is happening in our life. Because what will happen in those moments is when life is falling apart, you'll think that God is not worthy of your worship. And you'll begin to praise God and worship God only when things are going exactly the way you want it. And listen, life doesn't always go the way you want. Amen? Amen. And so in those moments, your worship of God and your praise to God have to be rooted in who God is. You say, how? How can I worship God when my kids are taken away and my possessions are taken away? And how can I worship God when I've lost everything, including my health? How can I worship God when my friends forsake me? How can I worship God when the bottom of life falls out? Let me remind you, we have to have an eternal perspective. You read this, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. You know what that verse 21 shows us? It shows us that Job had an eternal perspective. He said, I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave this world with nothing. But I can still praise the name of the Lord because nothing that happens to me in this life can alter my eternal destiny. No amount of pain in this world changes the fact that Christ is coming again and I will spend all eternity with Him. No amount of loss in this world that I can experience changes what happens to me when I'm reunited with my Lord and Savior. So in a very real sense, the pain, no matter how severe, the heartache, no matter how severe, the loss, no matter how severe, with an eternal perspective is just a moment in time. So how can I praise the name of the Lord when life falls apart? Because I understand what God has done for me is not limited to this life, but it affects all eternity. And so let's be reminded, naked we came from our mother's womb, and naked we will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Praise the name of the Lord. But here's here's what we have have to do. See, I don't think this response from Job... What was the the spur-of-the-moment reaction. Meaning, I I think there was a time, most likely in Job's life, where he looked back, and I can see him kind of leaned up against a tree and looking all that God had given him and looking at all of God's blessings and and thinking, I have so many reasons to praise God, and I have so many reasons to worship God. But I kind of see him having this moment where he looks at all of that and says, but God, you're good. And even if all of this was taken away, I still will worship. And if all of this is taken away, I still will praise. And so when this moment came, maybe years later, when this moment came, he had already made up his mind how he would respond. And that may be what some of you need to do this morning. You may need to sit back under the tree, so to speak, and look at all of God's blessings and say, God, you are so worthy of my praise, and you are so worthy of my worship. But then you have to continue that thought and saying, but God, even if I didn't have any of this, you are still worthy of my praise, and you are still worthy of my worship. And so God, there's ever a time in my life when tragedy strikes and the bottom drops out, and there is hurt, and there is heartache, and there is pain. In that moment, I will still praise the name of Yahweh because you're worthy do not wait till you're in the valley to make that decision do not wait until the darkness strikes to make that decision do not wait till you're picking up the pieces to decide how you're going to respond this morning respond by saying god you're good god you're worthy of my worship God, you're worthy of my praise, and it has nothing to do with what you allow to come into my life. It's connected to who you are. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked will I leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Will you stand with me this morning? In just a moment, we're going to sing, but I want to lead us in a word of prayer first. If you will, go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. I've already ushered the challenge, given the challenge. Some of you this morning, you need to decide how you're going to respond when, life, when tragedy strikes your life. Some of you need to stop worshiping God only because of what he does and start worshiping God for who he is. And if God is speaking to you in that way this morning, let me challenge you to respond. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the example of Job. Because, God, we face these times where we don't know what's happening. We face these times when life is hard. We face these times when we don't have the answers. We face these times when we cry out to you and we don't hear anything in response. But, God, I pray that you would help us all to continue to worship you and to continue to praise you regardless of what happens in your life because we know that you are good and our eternal destiny is unchanging. Help us to be able to say in in the midst of trial, in the midst of tragedy, praise the name of Yahweh. Praise the name of the Lord. And I pray, as we often say, that you would help us not simply to be challenged this morning, but that we would leave changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.